Welcome to Maple City Pipecast, the journey of a novice through the world of pipe smoking. Hey Maple City Pipecast, Dave here. Today we're going to be talking with Matthew Butler. Now you'll notice that I call him Matt a couple times in the interview and I think that I might have been referring to him wrong and that he might like Matthew instead. And buddy, if that was the case and you were gracious not to correct me and I apologize at this point if I was not calling you by your preferred name. Let me know for our future interactions if that's the case. But to pull back the curtain a little bit, Matthew came to my place. He's only about an hour from me and we got together and recorded this in August at my kitchen table. So the audio is going to be a little bit airier than you're used to from uh, from us, but I just wanted to let you know that ahead of time. The reason we had to do that is because I had interviewed Matthew once before and I accidentally deleted his audio before I got the episode put together. So this is the culmination of it and here we go. Hey everyone, Dave here, sitting in the living room, not the uh, basement today. I the, needed some table space. I have Matt here with me, and he's going to just do our Everman segment. We actually did this once before, but I accidentally deleted his audio. So, here we go again. Take two. So Matt, as before, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, so, uh, as you said, my name is Matthew. I'm uh, out of uh, Michigan, uh, near the Port Huron area, so close to the Blue Water Bridge. I've been living in that area for, I'd say, about the past 10 years or so, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I grew up in a little town called Memphis, Memphis, Michigan, and a nice little country town, um, very small, one square mile, one stoplight. Um, Yeah, for the past uh, nine or 10 years, I've been working as an American Sign Language interpreter. Um, That's been exciting. I drive all over the state of Michigan for it and even sometimes have the opportunity to uh, interpret for cruises and things like that. So I've traveled out of state for it as well. Okay, so like when you say sign language interpreter, you mean like you'll say, just for example, I don't know if you've done this before or not, but like you'd be the guy, say, in a courtroom interpreting for a jury if the witness is deaf? Or can't speak, I mean? Exactly. Uh, well, or um, whatever causes them to need to sure, use their sure. hands. So um, I, I guess the safest way uh, to word it is a sign language user. Um, that, I mean, that's just the safest way. When I was working for a place that uh, did what's called a video relay services, essentially a, a sign language user makes a call, um, a camera picks me up, and then I make the verbal call. So, gotcha. Uh, so we were just uh, encouraged to refer to those who use the service as sign language users because uh, some people prefer deaf, some people prefer hard of hearing, and there's a whole gamut in between as well. Um, but essentially, yeah, that's that's what I do. Um, I've, I don't do any court work. Um, I, uh, I specialize mostly in mental health and also okay. in medical settings. I've done a lot of educational interpreting in the past and uh, also done um, a bit of interpreting for uh, major businesses and then, of course, cruise lines. Okay. Yeah, I should have thought of the the calls thing. Because I used to work in call centers. Every once in a while, I'd get a call like that from the mm-hmm. relay the relay calls. We hated them on our end. <laughs> they they can be a challenge sometimes, especially when you have a uh, uh, sign language user or a deaf individual who is female and they're calling their bank for information. And I'm like, yes, my name is Jennifer, and they're like, uh you don't sound like Jennifer at all. And of course there's the to. struggle there. And yeah. and then of course, letting people know that there may be some sort of delay as well, just because in translation, um, American sign language isn't one for one to the English language mm-hmm. spoken either. So 
so there can be a little bit of a delay, but I, I understand. We I've run into all sides of the spectrum for sure. Okay, so moving on to pipe smoking now. That's right. How'd you get into the hobby of pipe smoking? Well, um, so it was probably in my early 20s, um, probably actually right around 20 is when I had first kind of um, drew interest to it. So uh, for me, it was um, getting a basket pipe and uh, getting some Middleton apple tobacco and uh, trying it out. Um, at the time, I don't know what it was. I just thought it'd be nice for me to kind of get outside, smoke a pipe, relax, be on my own. Um, I had uh, gotten a little bit into cigar smoking, which was okay for me, but it was just always odd as the cigar went down that the paper and wrapping got wet and gross. And so I just wanted to try something different and uh, had absolutely no clue what I was doing. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was nice. It was relaxing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And so uh, I smoked maybe two or three bowls entirely and then um, thought it was a good idea to uh, scrape down the side of the poor basket <laughs> pipe and yeah, that, that, that thing, I, I don't know where it is now, but I'm, I'm still crying about it. I, I, I mistreated that poor boy. But uh, a few years went by. Um, I'd say maybe at this point about uh, seven or eight years ago, um, I watched uh, a YouTube video, and I believe, um, and I forgot his name last time, so I'm glad that we're doing this again. I believe his name is Peter Bortolero, but he is a pastor who um, is on YouTube. I don't know if he's still on YouTube, but... Um, uh, he was the pipe smoking pastor or the pipe pastor, something along those lines. But uh, he um, he had a series of uh, uh, drinking to the glory of God, pipe smoking to the glory of God, this sort of thing where he had a men's group that would go on a retreat where they'd all bring their favorite tobaccos and share them amongst one another and have, have a, um, a, a biblical retreat. You know, they're there to study uh, the Bible, scripture, that sort of thing, have fellowship. And uh, to be honest with you, it, it blew my mind because uh, where I grew up, smoking was a dirty word. Um, alcohol uh, in the Free Methodist Church, which is where I hail from, um, was, is a pretty dirty word too. And so to, to kind of have um, that alternate perspective was very interesting to me. And um, I had a really heavy conviction to, uh, when I did get into it, to utilize it as a separate time to have kind of that one-on-one -on -one time to spend with God or to spend amongst other uh, believers, fellowshipping, that sort of thing. Um, and, and it's great, too, in the sense that um, that conviction is stuck. So anytime I try to smoke a pipe, um, if I'm trying to be in the middle of something else, I, I'm not really able to do it. I, I, don't ha I don't get that pleasure out of it. But when I sit down, I'm listening to a sermon or, like I said, chatting with some friends, fellowshipping, listening to some, some uh, spiritual music, we'll say. I mean, that, those are those times where the, just the tobacco becomes really rich. It becomes really, really pleasing. And um, yeah, so for the past seven years, it's, uh, it's been uh, a hobby of mine, but it's also been, in some ways, um, very integral to how I worship and how I set that time aside. Yeah, that seems, what you're describing there, seems to be the predominant attitude toward alcohol and tobacco in the Protestant movement. Do you have a go-to uh, pipe at this point in time in your pipe journey? Um, so 
we'll we'll call it we'll call it a threshold of appreciation for things that are handmade. But um, I do have uh, two friends of mine who uh, who are um, becoming much more skilled pipe makers. Uh, I have the luxury of having uh, the second pipe ever made by my friend Sean Patrick Wolf. Um, it is a beautiful pipe. He does some amazing work, and he studied under the tutelage of the very famous Nate King, who, uh, you know, his pipes are in the thousands of dollars for his pipes. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, we were talking about before we started recording the uh, Columbus Pipe Show, I attended last year, and Nate had a $5,000 levitating <laughs> pipe for sale. And, uh, boy, I mean, uh, I don't have $5,000 for a pipe, but he does beautiful work um and nate is just very smart about how pipes are made the mechanics the engineering he he puts a lot of icing on his cakes uh but the cake is still good and uh, i think that's the same thing with john uh when he makes pipes um he does a lot of good things on the outside uh excellent finishes but the smoking mechanics of the pipe are just great um and then i do have a another friend uh andrew nalette um he and his father i believe have um, the company's called NP Pipes, um, but uh, Andrew lives out of Florida, and uh, he also, um, interestingly enough, was under the tutelage of Nate King as well. So uh, I have some pipes from both gentlemen, and uh, the mechanics, the smoking of them is just is great. Nice. Yeah, I just quickly went on smokingpipes.com and looked up what they currently have online for Nate King. Oh. And if anyone's listening and don't have the time to do it here's the range the cheapest one on there currently as of today the 18th of august is 550 dollars. the most expensive of the lineup smoking pipes has as of today 1300 yeah so yep that's fair if you're buying those you've got some money to spend on pipes mm-hmm. i don't <laughs> yeah and uh, you know so i mean the the debate and the discussion about the price of pipes uh having anything to do with the smokeability of the pipes. Um, like I said, I think Nate dresses his pipes up quite a bit. And they're beautiful. I, and it's nothing to take away from his pipes at all. But, I mean, uh, then there are also people who do, like, what are the, the Frankenstein pipes or monster pipes? That's yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah. Where pipes. those things look disgusting. But people who enjoy them say they smoke very well also. So, uh, to me, it's the mechanics. Um, and it's also nice to have some friends who are um, uh, artisans in their own right and uh, just carve some beautiful briar and boy do they smoke well also well yeah, i suppose once you get down to the drilling of it once you learn how to drill things properly it doesn't matter what the pipe looks out like on the outside as long as you got a good chamber and your draft hole works exactly and it's lined up properly yep and it's the right link because i'm sure once they get too big then there's something because we both know there are pipes out there that just they look great on the outside but you can't smoke them yeah well, and then uh, you get into also the type of tobacco that you load the pipe with. Yeah, um, that sometimes so has something to do with it, Sometimes too. a bigger draft hole is nice for a more tight, uh, tighter pack, or um, from what I've run into, maybe more of like a ribbon cut, just having a little bit of a wider of a draft hole, whereas with the flake and things like that, depending on how you rub them out, a tighter draft hole is okay, keeps it nice and cool, and you know, but... Every pipe is unique. The nice thing about getting a new pipe for me is testing different types of tobacco yep. in it to see, see really what, what resonates. Yeah, That segues beautifully into the next question. Mm-hmm. We're talking about what tobacco works with a pipe. The next question is, do you gravitate towards any specific type of tobacco or have a, like a favorite blend? I mean, the, the stock answer is the blends that I like are the ones that I like. 
Um, I'll start big and work my way down. I really love um, Cult's Blood Red Moon. Um, I hate cherry tobacco, but when you hide it under really good undertones of chocolate and vanilla and like you just have this really good smoking tobacco that's not too syrupy sweet it's not biting your tongue you let it dry out a little bit and uh called blood red moon is awesome and also it will not lose you any friends so that's nice. always a nice thing as well but uh i guess to work my way a little bit smaller um uh, the country squire out of jackson mississippi blends i think hundreds of tobaccos at this point that they have on file but um one uh tobacco that they revived within the last uh maybe two or so years at this point is tobacco du chocolat and i've gotten plenty of compliments on that and it is amazing as a matter of fact after we're done doing this and we go to have a pipe i'm sure i'm going to load that up because i've been craving it for a while now so yeah so i mean i like um i like house blend uh blended tobaccos i think those are really good um i guess one more obligatory shout out is uh flint michigan has paul's pipe shop and pipe hospital they also have a pipe museum there, and uh, um, having met the owner, Dan, who is Paul's son, Paul passed away a few years ago, um, that place is a mecca for pipe smokers. If you've never been, if you haven't had the opportunity, I highly recommend it. I mean, there's literally pipes in every drawer. There's pipes in every nook and cranny. And if you go downstairs, there are uh, Abisham chunks of briar that are have been sitting for 40, 50 years just waiting to be carved. Oh, I mean, nice. this, this place is unbelievable absolutely unbelievable and then there's the upstairs that has the pipe museum um paul uh used to uh be flown out to hollywood and so for the movies of 40s and 50s where pipe smoking was very in vogue at the time he would actually teach many of the stars how to properly smoke a pipe so that they weren't on set burning their tongue all day or heating the pipe up but taught them how to appropriately smoke a pipe and uh there's plenty of pictures of him teaching different movie stars from the past how to smoke pipes and things like that and uh yeah the the place is just you're gonna spend all day there and enjoy it that's just an over in flint yeah it's yep. not too far from here either i have to once i get to get everything straightened up so i can actually cross the border again there's some places i'd like to go that are within an hour of here yeah well let me know we'll we'll take a trip <laughs> oh yeah I am planning on, I'm not sure how I'm going to do it yet. I'm not just because we can still do like just to get across the border. We can still do the enhanced driver's license. I yeah. don't need a passport from here, but I just don't know which way I'm going to go yet. Fair enough. Because just on, on a personal note for everybody listening and yourself, my wife actually hails from Mexico. So there might come a time where I need a passport to fly down to see her family. So because she's mentioned it a couple times that she'd like to go back at least one more time, you know, just to bring the boys and oh, yeah. show them their their uh, heritage and whatnot. So, I'm not sure which way I'm going to go just yet. Because <laughs> we worked it out, and either way, it's just it's the same money. Yeah. For a five-year passport or an enhanced driver's license. Mm-hmm. But you can get a passport that's... Um just a card as well instead of the booklet. I think that'll get you into Mexico as well. It's a little bit cheaper than the booklet. Well, it's something to look into for sure. Yeah. Well, of course, that's speaking of America. I guess I don't know if Canada has I have the same no idea if they have that set up yet or not. Because <laughs> when we first looked into it, like almost a decade ago now, it was still the, the books, but I thought mm-hmm. I read something somewhere where they were 
wanting to go to a card type system. Gotcha. So I really don't know where we're sitting yet. It's like I said, it's been like ten years since we looked into it. Yeah. I used my enhanced license today to come over, but I do have an actual booklet passport as well for when I do cruises and we're going through Caribbean right, countries. You, gotta, you know, you you need both. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You have any advice for any new pipe smokers that might be listening? I think the best advice I could give to any new pipe smoker is do your research. Uh, and what I mean by that is look into mechanics of pipe smoking, look into mechanics of loading a pipe, because it's really easy to become discouraged on your first or second or third bowl if you don't know what you're doing. Um, you may have an appreciation for for what pipe smoking is, but if you're loading your bowl the wrong way, you're smoking really hot, you're burning your tongue, of course you're going to be turned off naturally. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the best thing is is to do your research on it. Um, of course, the token answer is if you have a tobacco pipe shop, a tobacconist in your area who knows what they're doing, go there. Get some advice, get some information from them. I think they'll be able to steer you in a good direction. Um, but just from my own experience, my pipe community essentially is the Country Squire pipe community, um, who I met Dave through that same community. Um, uh, but, you know, even having Paul's pipe shop, uh, Dan, Paul's son, uh, taught me a lot of mechanics behind pipe smoking. And there's, there's a lot of uh, approaches to it. Um, Dan tends to pack his bowls very, very tight. I mean, so tight to where... He, he's almost puckering his, his, his cheeks are just <laughs> sunken in. And I just, um, though I appreciate it, that's, it's hard for me to uh, get through a pipe that way because uh, one thing that I run into is my pipes start with a, a good draw. And as I go down, if I tamp a little too, uh, we'll say um, assertively, then the, the draw just gets so tight as I go on. But, um, but uh, one thing that... Um, John David from the Country Square out of Jackson, again, a place that I've been to a couple times. Uh, his recommendation is think about a thick milkshake. If you're sucking on a straw for a thick milkshake, that's about that's about the uh, amount of suction you want when you're loading a pipe. Um, and you also want the tobacco on top to have just a little bit of spring to it, a little bit of give. And uh, I'll tell you, one of my best smokes, one of my most cherished smokes is the first time I went down there. I just asked John David, okay. I've smoked a pipe for a while. Just show me what you think. And I loaded uh, one of my Hilson pipes up. And one of the first pipes that I ever smoked completely all the way down to just a fine white ash on one match. Uh, and literally dumped it out. Beautiful. I mean, like, no dottle left in there. Just one of the best smokes I've ever had. And uh, it was just following that sort of mantra. Uh, you have that draw that's about the um, a thick milkshake. And anytime it gets too loose tamp it down a little bit until you get to that same sort of draw. And, and it helps to to give you that sort of mentality of a good routine where um, pipe smoking almost becomes this sort of uh, almost like a drone. You know, you, you have this steady cadence, you have this steady uh, feel for how you're smoking the pipe, then you tamp it down and you've, you're able to kind of reset and start again and keep working your way down. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's just that's one of those things where... Uh, if I'm focusing on one thing, then I'm able to more clearly uh, appreciate other things. So that, that pipe, making sure that I'm catering to it and getting that cadence down and having that, it's easy for me to not worry about 17 other things and just have that appreciation. Okay, so that's all the questions. So thanks very much for coming, uh, coming over to my place today. It's been fun. We're going to head out and uh, do some smoking now. Absolutely. Thank you. 
And I just want to say another thanks to Matthew for coming over to my place and taking the time to travel and cross borders and everything he needed to do to get here to do this interview with me. It was really appreciated. Thank you very much. So I hope everybody enjoyed this episode and thanks for listening. I would certainly be glad to get any feedback that anyone may have on this or previous episodes. You can contact me either through email via maplecitymedia at gmail.com or you can contact me through Maple City Media's Twitter handle at Media Maple or the show's Twitter handle at MC Pipecast or my own personal one at DRAllen201. Any one of those three will get you in contact with me and uh, let me have uh, your feedback. You've been listening to Maple City Pipecast, a member of the Maple City Media Network. For information on this and other shows, please visit maplecitymedia.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening, everybody, and good smokes.